Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me as always is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Now, if this is the first time you've heard this podcast, I'm just going to remind you that Ben and I are legitimate professional automotive journalists. And you can find my work at autoguide.com as well as autotrader.ca and hopefully some other publications in the near future. And both of those are completely legitimate and real publications. And Ben, well, he is a little bit more versatile than me and you find his work all over the internet as well, but with a much more diverse selection of publications. Ben, could you please rattle off a couple of the websites that you've delivered an article for just in the short recent while websites and and magazines the new issue of super street is on newsstands right now i wrote about a pretty cool e30 project that ended up at sema last year and i also write for automobile magazine driving line and auto trader like sammy oh and i'm i'm hoping to add cat fancy to the roster in the near future but that's probably a subject for a different podcast Basically, we're just, I'm just leveraging Ben's success in all these other areas for this podcast. It, it, it's all we do, really. And I'm trying to leverage my automotive career to the feline industry, which is surprisingly more difficult than I would have thought. There is almost no overlap, Sammy. It's bizarre, to it's, be honest. It's almost like cats don't drive cars. I, well, I mean, we have had a number of cars named after cats, like um, Jaguar? Puma? Yeah, the Yubian Puma. Yeah, that one. And uh, there was, wasn't there also a Volkswagen kit car or a car from Brazil that was named the Puma in in the in the seventies and eighties? Okay, I'll take I, your word for it. I think there was. Okay, what else is there? Ooh, named after cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Panther platform, which was the. Um, but that's the platform. No one ever calls the it. Crown, which... Well, if you're a Crown Victoria uh, enthusiast, you would. I'm more of a Marauder it. enthusiast. Well, it's the same platform, genius. Well, no, I call it the Marauder every time. <laughs> what about the uh, Prowler? Does that make sense? Ooh, I don't think so. Prowler is Why? actually because Prowler is named after someone who breaks into the homes in the night <laughs> and maybe steals stuff, or maybe just. Sniffs your clothes, breathing in deeply before vanishing into the darkness. That, that's what I think of when I think of Prowler. I like the car, but the name is super creepy. Now, if you can, re- if if dear listener, if you can uh, hold off to the end of the show when we remind you how to get in touch with us later, uh, please send us all the other cat named vehicles out there because we've got a podcast to run and we're going to talk about some interesting cars like we do every week now this or, time or, I... or or if you could think of a creepier name for a car than prowler i'd like to hear it what about probe probe is only creepy if you if you have a <laughs> very specific <laughs> very specific point of view uh the probe is only creepy in the eye of the beholder um or the receiver <laughs> okay ben can i talk about the car that i'm driving this week or what i guess so okay i have brand new Ford, Mustang, Bullet with two L's and two T's with an I between those sequences. Is there a U and a B in there as well? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously. Fully spelled the word bullet, please. Well, it's not a symbol. It's not a logo. It's not like the Mario Bullet Bill. Like, that's what it should have been. The Mario Bullet Bill. Yeah, come on, man. Do I have to explain video games to you? No, I understand what that is, but I'm just trying to picture that as a car. Yeah, I mean, just put four wheels on it. Bam, Mario Kart. 
Um, okay, the, the Mustang Bullet is a version of the, it's a trim level of the Ford Mustang uh, that slots somewhere between the GT and the GT350. It has a little bit more horsepower than the regular GT, packing three, uh, sorry, 485 horsepower, which is a plenty amount. It's a, it's a very generous amount of horsepower. It's, it's nearly 500 horsepower. That's crazy. Actually, 480. Sorry, I added an extra five and I don't oh, know okay. why. Well, I'm a little oh, less yeah. impressed now. I'm sorry, guys. Um, 480, which is 20 more than the usual. And it does come with a good chunk of performance-enhancing bits. It's got that Magna Ride suspension. It's got um, the same uh, rear axle ratio and uh, limited slip differential that the um, performance pack Mustang has as well. What it doesn't have is those really wide uh, 305-width tires, the square setup that the PP2 had back when I was talking uh, just two months ago about the PP2. It also sounds fantastic. I actually think this sounds a bit better than the uh, Mustang GT and the Performance Pack models that we drove recently as well. well. Does it have a different exhaust system? No, I mean, according according to the documentation that I have is that they have the same um um, active exhaust system, but I think the engine itself has some different um, characteristics that make it sound um, a little bit more unique than the standard GT. So driving this car, it's uh, I actually really like it because it combines some of my favorite things about um, lesser um, noticeable Mustangs. You know how I've always told you, like, I hate driving some of these cars because they're really obnoxious and people just stare at you and they want to talk to you and they want to race you and they want to do all sorts of dumb things. They ask you how much your car costs and stuff like that. I hate that. I just hate that uh, experience when you're driving any kind of eye-catching. So basically you hate human interaction. That's what I'm getting. That is that is spurred on by a, a by an excessive – by, like, a vehicle, like, this really, like, testosterone-driven thing that happens with with automobiles sometimes that people go whoa that's so badass you want to race and you're like maybe where, at the race where, track. where do you drive in an 80s action movie it's <laughs> yeah, like all I of mean, your driving take place on abandoned city or urban streets with like smoky manhole covers and people I wearing wish. long you know what honestly i wish it would make my drive so much more entertaining <laughs> and you know what those people i'd be meeting would look would would have really neat names like axel um bullet smoke yeah axel bullet obviously twisted gym and they'd have like really long uh really long trench coats everyone's wearing a trench coat all the time even in the and sunglasses of at night that's right that's right and they all and they all talk like this all the time no but honestly you know you're, you're just trying to to make your regular commute and somebody um i don't know gets spurred on by the exhaust note of your car and they just think that that gives them the right to sort of um tailgate you or um you know sort of act really aggressively around you and i just i you can't tell me you've never seen or heard of this behavior before you know maybe i'm just not as sensitive as you are Maybe that's true. Maybe I'm, a, I'm one of those snow. <laughs> that makes that's what makes your work so impressive, and all the cars that you drive, and all the stories that you write. Um, honestly, I, I think that's something that I've always had a tough time with. Um, but what I love about the bullet is that so much of the badging about it has been toned down. There is no GT badge. There's not even a Ford uh, Mustang logo on the front grille. And uh, there's only one logo. It's on the rear deck, and it just says Bullet. And I love that. And beyond that, it also is this very subtle green, beautiful color that does not – it is not bright and and 
um, super eye-catching, but it is still attractive with that um, with that shade. And I think that's really impressive. It's very tough to make a car look pretty with a subdued color, and I think that this green is the perfect example of that. Well, and it's a classic green, too. I mean, it's calling back to I – mean, you, you haven't said it yet, but – this car calls back to a movie from the 60s called Bullet, which has perhaps the most famous car chase of all time. And in that movie, I can't remember the name of the, the green, Highland Green, I believe is the name of the color. So th- they've been aping that. This is the third version of the Bullet Mustang to have been produced in modern times. There was an SN95 version, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe the New Edge version was the first mm-hmm. one. And then there was in 2005, that generation of cars. So the S197 had one. And I don't think there was one for the previous generation Mustang. I can't remember exactly, but now here we are with the third version. Yeah, and um, I, I wonder if there is um, an appetite for these specific versions, or if you know, there's people who are in the know are the ones that are the ones looking for it. I think there's definitely an appetite for it because over the regular GT, you think? Yes, because of all the hubbub and glamour and glitz that was surrounding the bullet car, the actual car from the movie that was discovered yeah. what two years ago, and then there was. Ford they didn't restore it, but they brought it to a bunch of auto shows in mm-hmm. the condition that it was found in. And it was, you know, the McQueen family made a, a bunch of appearances. Steve McQueen, the star of the original film Bullet, and uh, he's no longer with us. He died of cancer. But his daughter, I think it was his daughter, uh, made the appearance with the car. And uh, I believe also it just went up on sale finally. Someone made, I, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. an offer that the owners couldn't refuse. So the car will be changing hands. I've been looking for that figure on how much they they paid for it, but it's not published anywhere yet. So I think that's very interesting. You know, just something to bring up one more time, Wait. just how impressive that could that number could be, or if maybe it's not quite that impressive yet, and people have yet to exchange the the keys on. Well, you know, I want to talk a bit about the idea of this special edition car, specifically the fact that it's a movie special edition car, and how rare that is in the auto industry. And how even less likely you are to find a special edition car like this that's been as successful as the Bullet. I mean, who are the third generation Bullet mm-hmm. Mustang, right? Can you can you think of like other movies that should have had special edition cars that but didn't have those special edition cars? I mean, without a doubt, I think the minis um, for the Italian Job, or ah. even even I, I, was there. Am I mistaken that there was a mini chase in uh, one of the Bourne movies as well? Yes, there was, but it was an old school mini. Uh-huh. But in the, so, in the in the Italian in the remake of the Italian job, they were modern minis. I think you're right. I think that's a huge missed opportunity. I mean, there's nothing specific about those minis that could be tacked onto. Maybe it's also the fact that you can customize a mini from the factory to such un like whatever your you can think of the the mini factory will do it for you in terms of that direction. So those minis in the movie are not exactly distinct. In, a, in their own way, are they? Well, not not exactly. You know, there, but what about if we'd gotten like a, a Ronin edition Audi S8 with a custom nitrous system? <laughs> yeah, okay. Something like that. There, there have been a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a fair number of tie-ins for TVs, movies, and video games, actually. Surprisingly, video games over mm. the years. And some of them are just super weird. Like, um, remember when Hyundai made the Walking Dead edition version of the Tucson? Yeah, and uh, they did have a Veloster version as well. But there was also the Rogue One Star Wars edition. Yes, Rogue? Rogue One Star Wars edition. Uh, I, and the, first of all, that car didn't have 
any different. And first of all, actually, second of all, I've never seen a rogue in a Nissan Rogue in any Star Wars movie. You know yet. what's super <laughs> weird about that car is if you there were fifty the, the there were fifty four hundred that were made, and if you bought one, you got this Death Trooper replica helmet with yeah. the car. Okay, who at Nissan? Who at Nissan was like? I want my car to be associated with Death Trooper. <laughs> like, right. So that's is, the name of the character. And that this was is what's interesting about the bullet and maybe why it's had more success is because the bullet was driven by a good guy, right? I mean, and he's he's you know, gener- he's not a gangster, he's not a uh, an assassin, he's not a He thief. does kill the people in the crash though. By yeah. by smashing their car into a gas station and probably killing everyone at that gas station too. We never find out because McQueen's character just drives off. <laughs> so he is I mean, in law enforcement and yeah. he just drives off. So I mean that's what I think is is really interesting when you look at like the 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 Italian job. Those are driven by criminals. When you look at the Born Ultimatum or the Born the Born Supremacy or the Born what's the name of the movie? The Born I don't know the Born the Born. There's too many Borns. Something. Um, the the character is a is an assassin, and maybe you know BMW and Mini would not want to associate themselves with that um, character. But Nissan right? would have been totally on that. It would have <laughs> yes. been like 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 Nissan Pathfinder five three mile kill sniper edition. Like, like something. <laughs> Like, and I mean the same thing about Ronan. Ronan was the the character um, uh, of Sam, who's a, Robert De Niro's character, is a ambiguous, <laughs> ambiguous. <laughs> they are they not trying to steal something? Right? What about what about Mission Impossible? The most recent mission? Not the most mo- was it the most recent one that had the M three crash and 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 chase? I can't even. I'm so sorry. The, I have no staircase. idea. What, this, this <laughs> they all blend into one movie. I don't know. There's a couple of other uh, weird kind of movie tie-in cars that came out over the years. Aston Martin made a, a Bond edition of the DB9 GT, uh, yeah. which is a little strange because it was the DB10 that <laughs> was in yeah. the movie. But you got like a watch and some kind of Bond theme on the door sill plates. And then there was a whole bunch of gun stuff that they like embroidered into the upholstery throughout the car. So and that's was, weird too, because this is what I'm saying that, you know, James Bond is technically, he's a good guy, right? Like he's a, he's a, ambiguous he's, as ambiguous a, as Ronan. I think well, <laughs> it, it was $237,000. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's two others that actually there's three that I want to hit you with four mm-hmm. that I want to hit you with. quick hits, quick hits. Here we In go. 2003 Toyota made a Terminator three edition version of oh, yeah. the hundred. I I forgot about that. It T3 was, or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was basically a monochromatic black tundra. <laughs> Which is not <laughs> any distinct version of the... That doesn't... That's no. so funny to me. And it had Terminator badging on it. But the weird mm-hmm. part was in the movie, like, the, there was a, there's a tundra in the movie that they steal from a cemetery from a, from a groundskeeper. And they have to escape all these, like, these uh, cars that have, and trucks that have come to life, right? And it gets the crap mm-hmm. kicked out of it <laughs> Yeah, in the, in the film. Um, but so Toyota wanted to commemorate that scene, I guess. Uh, next next one, even worse, and this is one of the most egregious examples of product uh-huh. placement in a modern movie, the 2016 Jeep Renegade Dawn of Justice edition. Oh, yes. The, uh, okay. The Jeep Renegade Dawn of Justice, which had, like, bat symbols on them? Yeah. Do you remember, what it, do you remember how it appeared in the movie? He he gets out of it to get into a helicopter, right? No, ben, no, no, ben no. Affleck? Or no, the other way around? Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Yeah. Batfleck. 
is driving through when the city's being destroyed at the beginning or at some point he's like driving through the city in this renegade because of course a billionaire <laughs> this is what he would drive right and then he gets out and saves some people but uh the actual renegade that they sold was just a latitude trim with like two paint jobs and black rims like that was that was it <laughs> But there was also Jeep also made a, a Tomb Raider uh, Rubicon uh, in 2003. It was a Wrangler. Mm-hmm. Um, Not to mention the Call of Duty ones that they've done too. The Call of Duty yeah, tie-in. That's I a think. good point. Well, you know the weird thing about the Tomb Raider one is. It was a copy of a vehicle that's not just in a movie, but a movie about a video game. <laughs> so yeah. they covered like two bases. <laughs> yeah. With that. So yeah, are people buying it for the movie or for the the video game here? That that's, is awesome corporate or- synergy. Uh, anyway, it looked just like the one in the movie, so at least that was you know a, a step up from Batfleck. Um, but the so last, funny, but those cars, especially you're talking about the Tundra, you're talking about this Jeep, both of those Jeeps. I don't remember the scenes with those vehicles. No, at of course all, not, because right? they're totally forgettable movies too. Like that, that doesn't help. I mean, Bullet was an icon, so of course we remember it. it one more that would have that you kind of think should have really had more of an impact than it did. They I made have a couple ideas, they, but okay. Okay, well, they made a Transformers special edition Camaro. Yes, in uh, 2010 style, right? Yeah. yeah, it got Autobot badges, like on the <laughs> sills, I think, on the wheel caps, and inside the car, and it had a stripe just like Bumblebee did. Uh, and it, they only made a. They only made a. Uh, it, it wasn't expensive. It was like a thousand dollars more. But mm-hmm. I never see them. I mean, well, it, I also – how do you know which – because I've seen so many people put Autobot badges on their car anyways, right? People so, put them on any car too. Like at this yeah. point, it's like a free-for-all. Exactly. So that's what I'm – that's my biggest concern. But why was there – okay. I'm going to – first of all, it is great looking with the with the um, Autobot, the Bumblebee package. I think that's really cool. Uh, didn't fix any part of the car. Didn't really enhance any part of the car. And it doesn't turn into a, into a robot that fights crime. Or well, whatever. none of them have yet. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> That's true. Um, what about why was why are there no um, Jurassic Park specials? Ooh, that's a really good question. Cars are such a huge part of those movies. So and, and there's two options too because there was a yeah. Jeep which, in the first one. Yeah, well, in the first one there were two options because there's a Jeep that Muldoon, the, the hunter guy, takes to go and you know do his hunting, and and Nidri steals it at some point or whatever. Yeah. When, but there's also the explorers with the glass roofs. Yeah, that were used and to terrifying effect when the Tyrannosaurus broke loose from its spoiler alert for a 30 year old movie, <laughs> but <laughs> the Tyrannosaurus breaks loose and and uh, terrorizes the the passengers. So I would have think of those two. Well, we've already seen Jeep is willing to put its name on any type yeah. of movie tie-in. So that's a bit surprising. Yes. But they're like, but we don't like the fact that the driver of the Jeep dies at, at the end of that, the, the whole sequence. So now we're going to, we're going to wipe our hands clean of that. I guess, so. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe and okay. it was a different era for FCA too. They weren't even FCA back then, but uh, you, you'd think Ford would have done something with the Explorers. Maybe the paint job was just too radical. Like the Jeep one, it's pretty basic. It's like orange and grayish, I guess, but the, the Explorers were green and they had the, the tiger striping on them. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then there was also in the newer one the the corporate sponsor I suppose for Jeep uh, or Jurassic World is like Mercedes and there's no special edition G wagon although is there a six I guess by every G wagon is special edition in some form <laughs> or another you know that's a good point I will I I tend to agree with you there what about um, the transporter well, I like guess the special edition manual transmission BMW seven series yeah exactly. <laughs> And then when he changes into an, it turns into an Audi in the next movie. Again, right? Audi's totally not down. No, no S8 there either. It's just kind of strange. 
Um, and then there was one more option I had. There's a newer one, Baby Driver. They should definitely have a WRX of some kind. Oh that, yeah, the what the 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 Hawkeye WRX. Yeah, I mean it's it's an older car than what's in production now, but I think you know if if Subaru really wanted to, they could um, make a product that commemorates that. You know, you know, you know, I think like the weirdest slash ultimate um, tie-in vehicle of all time was there was a video game called Grid Two. Uh, do you remember? Yeah. Okay, well, they made a mono edition, and um, it came with a BAC mono supercar. <laughs> what? Yeah, I didn't know that. There was only one of them, so, and it came with the game. Yeah, it was six <laughs> figures, and Dead Mouse bought it. Of course, he did. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh, that's I think kind of like raises the bar. I mean, Bullet is is I think Bullet is a strong number too, but I think the BAC mono is like just a little bit a bit above that so but going back to this movie bullet we got to talk a little bit about what the difference between the car and the and the movie is and so i know that sounds like really ridiculous but the automobile has like has taken on a um a persona of its own it's a character in itself and it's now expanded well beyond this movie that occurred uh, how many years ago um why is there? There's a specific bullet badge on the back of the of the Mustang yes. that doesn't look like anything that I've seen in the movie or it's or from the poster. Or, it's it doesn't the, even look like the poster. It's the, the font they used on the poster. Really? Yeah. It looks so. And it has like a bullseye theme too to kind of give you the idea that he uses guns. <laughs> I don't think it looks that close. I'm sorry. I, I don't think it's close enough. Then maybe that's what I'm saying. Well, you should uh, write a strongly worded letter to Fomoka right now. And there's a serial number on the dash, and you know, I, I truly think that the the iconography of what the Mustang Bullet is has transcended the original movie. And I don't even think that the, I don't know, man, I don't think I, don't this- know. I it's hard to I I don't know if I can agree with you there because the cult of Steve McQueen is strong. You know but what I mean? We're in a whole new era, and there hasn't been a reboot of Bullet or anything no, like that. No, but I mean, boomers buy these cars by the droves. Uh, that they're a strong Mustang market, and you know, no, not offense, no offense to boomers here. It's not why I'm saying that, but I'm saying hmm. that for the customers who are interested in the Mustang, which is a pretty wide spectrum, a significant portion of those are Steve McQueen fans, and Steve McQueen still has an aura of coolness because you know, when you die before your time, hmm. you you never get to outlive your legend. So he has been able, his family and him and, you know, the movie businesses surrounded him have been able to maintain this effortlessly cool image. And, and McQueen has a strong legacy. I mean, Bullet is one of uh, many, many films he made that had a big impact. I mean, Bullet's not a great movie to begin with, but the character and the scenes have become iconic. And, you know, movies like The Great Escape and... um yeah, uh, he, he, the, I'm, I'm trying to think of the name, Thomas Crown Affair, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, these are movies that still resonate today. I mean, maybe I'm talking. I'm talking out of line because the very first version of this generation uh, bullet sold for three hundred thousand dollars at auction, which isn't, which isn't, you know, it's real money. That's a lot of money. <laughs> um, and what are people getting when they get into a, into a Mustang bullet? I think they are getting a very um, nice, well uh, managed experience. It does feel that much different than the GT, even with the performance package. It does. I do like the subtleties of. This version of the car, it can sound great when you put it in that uh, in the sport or track modes. Um, it sounds fantastic, actually, and I t- I do think it sounds better than a normal GT. Then there's the little touches. I really like the, the that cue ball, that white knobbed shifter that it has. Uh, feels great. And then the little details, like the fact that the stitching in the Recaro seats is the same color as the exterior paint. It looks sharp. 
Um, I think this is a really good idea for someone to spend. Uh, the model I had came in at 54000 which really isn't that bad, I think. How much more is that than a, a GT? Um, it could be up to, depending on the model of GT, like if you've got a base model um, GT, we're thinking the difference is, let's see, base GT, 35000 Whoa. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that the bullet, you know, and the if you base were to bullet is 47. Yeah. It would be closer to like a GT premium. Okay. And that's maybe about uh, $8,000 difference. That's still real money. That is a lot of money, but you are getting a very unique car with that with that special. No, I, I would I would agree. I would agree, and and I think and it could be it could be worth something down the line too, right? Well, I don't know about that. I, it's very hard for me to see any modern cars becoming collectible classics in the future. Um, but even you said before this, the Mustang has been around since 1960, 1965. Am yeah, I am I mistaken? So many of them. Even, okay, a nineteen sixty five first Mustang. and second generation Mustangs are quite popular, but they are not. They're not uh, – I mean they're collector cars in the sense that they are appealing vehicles that have character and personality and are interesting to drive. But they're not hugely valuable. Like you Okay, but up- no. Last generation we have that Mustang Boss that went nuts for – everyone went nuts for. Yeah, actually still- my, uh, my sister's husband bought one uh, this summer. And those are still quite valuable um, relatively speaking, aren't they? And I think they're going to inc- increase in value going down the line. They could. They could, so, but I, it's just any there's vehicles are produced in such numbers, especially vehicles like the Mustang, mm-hmm. that it, it's really hard to see them as collector cars. And then, of course, the fact that the Mustang is not, I guess, pr- uh, limited production. I mean, you no. uh, order one, you'll get it one. It is so, the opposite of, <laughs> of limited production, I think. So, I mean, that's what I think is a little disheartening about it. You're not getting a truly like limited version of the car. There's not a specific number that they have to hit before they, they shut things down. If you want it, you get it. Um, I do think it's cool to combine the the enhanced performance of the engine with some of the performance features of the PP2 um, without resorting to those ridiculously grippy tires. So this is for like the performance enthusiast who does not take their car to the track all that often. Um, and I think it's a beautiful car. I really do think it's the best looking Mustang on sale um, right now. So I, I drove a car this week that is also a performance car, but coming from a very, very different angle. What do you mean? Well, I picked up the 2020 BMW M340i X-Drive. And, okay. And that's a lot of letters and numbers together. It's a but, lot. Uh, Can't there, you just say v, the V6 3 Series? I mean, isn't that the easiest well, thing to say? Well, it doesn't have a V6. Maybe if it did. I mean, did. sorry, six-cylinder. Ooh, you killed me on that. Wow. <laughs> Murder by Ben. Oh, uh, no. You did it to yourself, my friend. I did. But, sorry. Inline 6, of course. It's a six-cylinder nonetheless, guys. Sorry. Um... This is the only version of the six-cylinder you can get with the three series, right? It, yeah, it is. And this is the only six-cylinder, as you pointed out, until the M3 comes out. And we don't know what that's going to look like. But what's... I have an idea. <laughs> well, under the hood, I mean. Okay. Uh, but the, the... I also have an idea. You have an idea? What's your, what's your theory on the M3? I want to hear it. I think it'll be a turbocharged six-cylinder like the last one. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you say that. But if you look at the history of the M3, it has had a different engine configuration for almost every generation. It started out with a four-cylinder, then it went to a naturally aspirated inline-six, and then it went to a similar naturally aspirated inline-six that changed to a V8, and then it went to a turbo inline-six. So we've had numerous... It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, we we ended up with something kind of unusual for... for, 
the 2020. But okay. the, the, but let's the, get to your car. Let's get, let's get back to your car. Let's even talk about the powertrain in your car. Well, yeah. it is a Turbo 6, and it, it is. is the most powerful 3 Series that has ever been built. I mean, outside of the, this has an M in front of the number, mm-hmm. uh, but it's like that means lower, something. It's the lowercase M. This is the most powerful non-true M3 three series that has ever been built it has 382 horsepower sammy mm-hmm. and i think it actually has more than that you know my theory on we talked about it with the z4 a few weeks ago it's, it's essentially mm-hmm. the same engine or at least very similar mm-hmm. and uh it feels like it probably has around 400 horsepower perhaps more and it does 60 in 4.4 seconds which is Ooh. crazy <laughs> for a car that is not the high performance model of the the lineup i mean i, I mean that's, that's spinning distance of that mustang that i just drove which does in about four seconds so that's impressive did yours have a manual or automatic gearbox they all have automatic gearboxes of course you do. cannot uh-huh. get a ma- the three series in north america is dead with a manual transmission you can still get them in europe but you cannot <laughs> a, get them here. what a clickbait head is dead with a manual transmission <laughs> <laughs> and you put that in like a tiny font yeah um yeah, and uh, you can get it with rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. The all-wheel drive is about a $2,000 option. The car starts at fifty four k, and you can easily add $10,000 worth of options. It, it is not hard to do at all. They have these, like, premium, outrageous, maximum comfort pack, like that kind of thing that gives you tons of features. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't – excuse me. You don't need any of that to enjoy the car. Mm-hmm. My car had a $10,000 option pack, and – it got to the point where I, I'm in this car, and, and my car was like seventy grand, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, Jeez. you know, yeah, well, seventy grand in Canada, probably about sixty-five in the U.S. And once okay. you're at that point, you can your options expand quite a bit. Like you can buy a number of larger cars, you could move over to an SUV if you wanted to, mm-hmm. and you have to start asking yourself, do I really want the most expensive entry-level luxury car, or do I want something that has maybe more content but less brand recognition? Um, it's it's an interesting choice to have to make. But right. getting back to how the car drives, have you have you driven this model, Sammy? I have actually. I drove um, prototype versions of this car, which is really weird. They were just uh, in sort of car camo rather than anything else. Um, and I drove them on track as well, and I was really impressed with how they drove. They really felt like lively vehicles um, that were that were that were actually quite enjoyable to drive, more so than the, the four cylinder, which felt pretty good on the road, but not like a not. It didn't really stir anything out of you. Well, it, it, this car, it it kind of confounded me in some ways because it is extremely extremely fast, as I pointed out. Mm-hmm. The, the way the power is delivered, though. It's kind of muted. It's it's almost like it's being metered out instead of letting you explode out of the gate. And okay. that's good because the car really feels out of control. But at the same time, it, it makes me wonder if they're saving the crazy experience for the M3 and they wanted to protect it a little bit. So they kind of dialed things back in terms of the delivery from the M340i. So why even put the M letter in the name of this car? Well, if it's similar. I had the same feeling about the Z4 with right. the similar engine. It's, it's it, It'll get squirmy, but it won't get sideways unless you really, really push it. Uh, and it just seems like it's not designed for hooliganish driving, which is totally fine because at that price point and the fact that it's a sedan and the fact that it's automatic only, you're, it's not really – it's a performance car that's not track-oriented. It's, mm-hmm. it's the kind of car you can have some fun with and you can scare yourself out on the highway, but it, it's not the kind of car where you're going to show up at a track day and put on some slicks and do some laughs. I mean you're just not going to do that. I'm sure it mm-hmm. could. But I don't see the buyer as being that type of person necessarily. Maybe a small percentage. 
Interesting. Um, one of the things you brought up about this new three series is that you can load it with a ton of features. And I know in the past we've always joked about the gimmicky um, things that you can add to a BMW 3 Series uh, or a BMW in general. Are there any of those gimmicks in this car? Are there any you would keep? Anything you'd remove? What it, did you know? It's got the uh, it's got the gesture controls. You love those gesture controls. Yeah, not I a hate huge those fan. gesture controls because I can't hold hands with my with my passenger. While I'm driving with my wife, sorry. She yeah, passenger. I, your passenger. <laughs> That's how. Isn't that? Aren't your your wedding vows? Didn't they say, "Will you be my passenger until death do us part"? Wasn't that? <laughs> isn't that how it came out? Yep, of it course. It was a beautiful ceremony. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's got the gesture controls, but it doesn't really have a lot of other gimmicks. It one complaint I have gimmick wise, it has that LCD uh, gauge cluster. Mm-hmm. It doesn't what? really. There's nothing to complain about no, with no. that. Hear me out. It doesn't really do anything. Well, what do you want it to well, do? The Audi one has like a wow factor where it does like the cool navigation thing and it looks and the zooming and, and it can show you like street view or something like that, yeah, right? But, but it, it does interesting stuff. The BMW one just kind of like has a line drawing of your navigation in front of you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like customize <laughs> some stuff. Do you remember when we used to have to send like people directions to our house and we'd use like uh, Microsoft Paint? Do you That's remember printing out MapQuest? Yeah, <laughs> and you'd have these little lines. You'd be like, it looks like this and just turn right at this street that's what it looks like in the bmw do you remember when and i don't know if they still do this but uh onstar used to do turn by turn where like you would get in the car and Mm -hmm. then you would send your directions to your car so that from the computer so Mm -hmm. when you got in it would be like turn right here turn left here kind of thing but there was like no nav screen or anything Right, I do remember this, but I also remember that if you didn't follow the instructions, it was it, that was it. Your your navigation. Oh yeah, yeah, you like, couldn't yeah. you couldn't miss. It was like having a friend who got miffed if like you <laughs> missed the turn, and they'd be like, "Well, I'm sorry, but I'm done. I did my best." And then like it was over, and you were totally lost. <laughs> okay, but uh, back to the BMW. Yes. Did you? Um, is there anything that you would you would promise you 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 think that BMW delivers on the promise of an M34 uh, M 340 over the 330 that you had earlier. Oh, it's way quicker. No It's question. way quicker. Yes. True. Is it and more it fun? Does it sound more, better? It, yes. It, I mean, it's more fun in the sense that it's faster. I don't know if it's necessarily more engaging to drive. It does feel more comfortable than the 330. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I had the adaptive suspension on mine. You can also get a, a torque vectoring rear differential. My car, I do not think had that unless it's standard. It's not on the options list. And I did not check before the podcast to find out because I am terrible at my job. But um, Ben, I had that rear differential on the track, and I'm telling you, the, the the sideways action that these guys were were ripping off at the track were really impressive. Okay, well, you know, uh, it, it, the the other thing that I, I liked about this car is BMW has gotten away from charging you extra for safety, so you get a ton of safety gear standard, and that's rare in the in the luxury space. A lot of these companies, if you want something as simple as blind spot monitoring. Too bad. Like, you're going to have to buy a package. So BMW only really makes you get a package if you want to have their... They have, like, this thing called Driving Assistant Professional. I don't know why it's called. It's not like it has a job. Anyway. um, It (laughs) It does have a job. It'll self-steer the car. It has lane keeping. Adaptive cruise control. has traffic jam assist, which will follow cars in front of you. That's very useful. But Mm. you don't need it. Like, you still get lane departure warning and blind spot and emergency forward braking. All that stuff with the car as is. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're to be commended there. Okay. Um, 
Anything else you wanted to add about this uh, this new BMW? Would you recommend it to someone over some of the other vehicles in its segment? I mean, the C43, I mean, it's getting a little dated, but it does have a great sounding and great feeling engine. I think Dynamically, that, it's not quite there, though, right? Well, I think that the, the 340 is a, a really great all-around car. Mm-hmm. It's a really great sedan. And it's it's about 10K more, I think, than what you would pay for the 330. You're getting a lot for that money. There's no question. Um is it? We absolutely both of you, both you and I really love the 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 V six equipped. Um, sure, about the, you sure about the, the V six yes, this time. The V six, okay. the twin turbo V six Genesis. Is that not uh, that's that's a right that's a correct statement from me and you. We do yes. love driving this car. I like that car very much. I don't know if it's as if it's faster than the new three forty mm-hmm. in a straight line. I would like it's to be more affordable. Oh yeah, I would like to see that drag race. I mean, if 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 value is a concern. Yeah. The G70 is an excellent buy. Right. I think the 340 is also an excellent buy, but I think that value is not really a word you can apply to it, especially if you start adding options. Right. Uh, the other thing that's that's kind of a sticking point for some people, I know for you particularly with this car, is the styling is conservative. Yeah. It's hard to pick it out if you're looking at A4s and, and C-classes and Genesi. They're all kind of the same looking. Right I think, now. I mean, I personally, I really do like the design, both interior and exterior of the C-Class. But the Genesis does have good exterior design as well. So the, B- um, the BMW doesn't really stand out. It's not no. ugly in any way. Actually, uh, the interior, you should talk about the interior in this thing, especially in the uh, M340i, which must be, you know, stepped up quite a bit from the It looks good. Right? It's, I had nice contrasting leather. Um, yeah. I, there's some wood elements. I didn't like the plastics on the center console again. I didn't like the plastics on the buttons for the climate control. Yeah, they feel they feel cheap. They, right? feel, they feel cheap and flimsy, and yeah. and it's weird because they don't have to. I mean, why cut corners there? It's where you're going to be touching the car. <laughs> you know, that's that's where you want it. you you need that part of the car to to hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's also a very big interior. The rear seat is ginormous. Right. And that's, I think, where the Genesis falls down. I mean, if you do use the rear seats, that's not... Uh, yeah, that's, that's there's not, not the as much space back there. But uh, I think the Genesis is still competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that dynamically, the platform in the Genesis is more interesting to drive. Mm-hmm. I think powertrain-wise, this might the, the BMW might be faster. Interesting. Okay, cool. I mean, th- that's a lot to unpack, and I think that really does show... What I love about it is it shows diversity in the segment. It doesn't just mean that each car is just a clone of the other, and that's what it felt like for a while. For I think. so long. Okay, good. I'm not the only one who thinks this. They were just chasing each other, and now I think BMW has made something that is distinct in its own way. It offers something different than some of the, its competitors, and now Genesis has something in its own, and, and, I, and I think Mer- something. Yeah. I think Mercedes was one of the first companies to really step away from that and just say, look, uh, we're not really a sports event anymore, and they made the C-Class, and it was fast, but it wasn't, you know... It wasn't sharp, and that's fine because people oh. don't care. <laughs> yeah. So they were brave enough to do that, and that kind of let the market splinter a little bit. Now we need to see more of a splintering in terms of style. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's kind of a across-the-board issue at Audi and BMW uh, where you have basically the same sedan in three different sizes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell a 5 from a 7, a 3 from a 5 sometimes. It's getting better, but we're still kind of in that forest, I think. Um, okay, so before we start closing up the podcast, I would love to talk about some, uh, a message that you received um, recently. Do you mind uh, sharing what what Logan B nine twenty one sent you? 
Well, he he asked us if we wouldn't mind talking about how we got started in this business, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a that's an interesting question. It's, it's a very actually, personal question. <laughs> yeah, but you love personal questions. I do. It's something that I get asked a lot because mm-hmm. writers aren't common, let alone writers who make their entire living writing, which is what both Sammy and I do. And um, for me, I got started because I'd always been writing my whole life, uh, ever since I was a teenager, and I was encouraged to do it. You know, yeah, but you were writing on like bathroom stalls and like <laughs> the sides of of buildings. That was stuff. more of a scrawl than writing. <laughs> but uh, I, I was encouraged to do it in school and by my parents, but never as a career. I, I was never um, told that this is something I could do for a living, which I think is unfortunate. And it's why I try to encourage everyone who's considered it to try it because it's been incredibly rewarding for me. But uh, I ended up I, I was also as a kid really into programming computers mm-hmm. and whatnot since, since I was eight years old. Um, and I ended up in that business when I was a teenager, I got hired out of university. I actually, um, my first semester in university, I got hired by dot com, and I never went back to school. I just ended up in the programming world. And then I moved from there to pharmaceuticals and I was coding within that space. And I was a consultant and I was working from home for a number of years. And I, 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 I the office life wasn't for me. And I, I started experimenting with freelance writing on the side because I, you know, I still love to write and I was knowledgeable about computers and medical, medical stuff, but also cars. Mm-hmm. And I, for six months, I was doing this part-time at nights, uh, finding clients, slowly building up a client base. And then the company that I was working for got bought and I was told I'd have to start coming to the office and I quit the next day. And uh, I did, I just jumped in full time into freelancing and decided to. You were so self conscious back then. You didn't want people to look at you like in a, in a professional way, like physically look at you, right? Or you weren't worried about what you were wearing I in just an think, office. Right? I just think like, office environments are death to me. <laughs> like it's not something I ever want to be in ever again, and I never will. Uh, that's right. So it was that was important to me, and it still is. And I wish I'd done it five years sooner. To be honest, I wish I had started freelancing sooner. Uh, I, I just started building clients. Um, the cool thing about freelance writing is, as your work gets published, all the work that you do is public for mm-hmm. the most part, unless you have corporate clients. In, in which case, it could be a little different. Mm-hmm. But uh, you build a portfolio, and other people notice your name. And um, as long as you're doing good work, people start to contact you. And I remember maybe three years into my career. I used to spend a lot of time looking for new work and it shifted from spending a couple of hours a day looking for new clients to having all the work come to me. Yeah. And at that point you become, you become sort of self-sufficient because of the amount of work that you have out there and because of the quality of work that you're producing. And at that point you, you get more leeway to choose the projects you want to work on. So Sammy, how did you get started in the business? Mine isn't as, uh, as exciting or as involved as yours. I mean, I went to school for journalism and media studies and, uh, upon coming to my final uh, semester, we were supposed to do, you know, an internship and, uh, and, a placement. And when I asked, you know, my, my dream was honestly to write for, a publication much like the Toronto Star Wheel section um, at the time, because that's that was one of the biggest names when it comes to Canadian uh, automotive information. So when it came to that, I was asking, you know, my teachers, if they knew anyone at the Toronto Star who'd be willing to talk to me about what it takes to be in the automotive industry and um, about writing in the automotive industry. And uh, they gave me a, a little bit of a shoulder shrug and said, I'm sorry, I don't know anyone in that specific uh, department. And Maybe, you know, we can hook you up with someone else somewhere else. And uh, that didn't quite work out for me. I didn't enjoy that, uh, that you know, that that door being shut on me. And at the time, I was a little bit too, I felt like I was maybe too green, too young, and too inexperienced to just 
reach out to somebody who's been doing it for a long time and ask for their their feedback. This is something that I, I needed to develop myself. And I, I encourage anybody who's currently looking to become a writer to go out and write and talk to the people that you want to get that information from. Really do not hold back. Um, they will tell you what you need to know as soon as you need to know it. And if you wait too long, it'll be too late before um, you decide to do something about it. Now, what happened when I was shown that kind of shut doors, I decided to make my own publication. I did it with um, some friends of mine at school. We had a very beautiful site, um, really nicely designed and coded. Um, and I figured we could write stories on other subjects, something that maybe hits closer to home um, that can gain an audience really quickly. So we wrote about um, video games, movies, um, tech, uh, gadgets and cell phones. And I learned how to talk to PR people in that regard, how to be um, how to be critical, but also fair when it comes to evaluating th uh, evaluating these things. And my mentality was, you know, I start off with a with a movie, which is about a thirteen dollar ticket. Um, we move into a video game, which is about 60 to 80 bucks, and then a smartphone, which is about 500 bucks, and a laptop, which is about 1,000 bucks. And then you keep moving your, your way up into more you know, premium, expensive products. And um, eventually, I, th I thought maybe a car could end up you know, in, the, in the, my critical um, hands. And at this time, we were, I was also experimenting with written content, photography, and uh, videos at the time. And we also had a very strong social presence. And uh, I just tried to, to maintain all of that together. And while we were doing that, it was, um, it was you know, I maintained sort of an eye on the automotive um, media landscape. And I ended up just getting closer to some of these other journalists on Twitter. Eventually, um, a very kind guy named Colin Wood at autoguide.com uh, sent me a, a private message on Twitter said he really likes you know the way I interact and the, my engagement and in, in, in my commentary on on stories and he wanted to know if I was in, interested in becoming an automotive journalist now at this time that sounds nuts to me like nobody gets a job <laughs> offer through Twitter so I that's, actually, how it, that's how it happens is, and people don't realize this is that these connections can happen at any time and they're often yeah. unexpected Ben, you need to hear what I what I what I wrote back. I said, "You have to be kidding me. Nobody sends job offers, especially if you like these dream jobs through Twitter. You're gonna take my social insurance number and, and open up a mortgage in my name, and that's it." Plot uh, twist: and, You didn't have a social insurance <laughs> number. And so uh, when he didn't respond, I I was like, "Okay, maybe that was a, a badly you know badly timed joke, a written joke." I said, "Look, let's say you're you're not a thief." What you need from my Let's end. Let's say you're not a thief. Great way to start a conversation with of a course. potential employer. Uh, I said, what do you need uh, on my end? And he goes, you know, some writing samples would be great and a resume. And I said, look, I've got this whole website here. Um, and he took a look at it. He said, okay, let's go for an interview. And boom, I landed my first job at AutoGuide as their features writer. Um, and that was a really, really important um, opportunity for me as a young writer because the features writer, that was – First of all, it, it answered everyone's questions that they were looking for on Google. And as a result, when you started looking for things like what CVTs are out there, or reliability history or, you know, used car reports, um, these are questions that people just type into Google and hope that they get an answer. And more often than not, it was a story from, from AutoGuide or My Byline. And I, I learned so much doing these kinds of stories. And then bit by bit, I, my, my opportunities increased. I started doing more video and then uh, more reviews and more travel and eventually became the road test editor there. And I'm very happy with, with that career path. 
But just recently, as you know, some of the listeners will know, I, I, uh, I left my position at AutoGuide and are now pursuing a freelance career, something that, um, you know, Ben, I, I've looked at your career path and the way you've done so well in terms of freelance. And uh, I think you've been able to tell some really cool stories without being tethered to a corporate sort of um, environment. And I'm, I'm not saying that I want to mimic that kind of, that kind of process, but I also I envy that freedom and I'm, I'm gunning for it in, in the same mindset. Well, you know, the, the cool thing is it's not it's, – it's really great to be able to partner with a publication or a corporation and work together with them to create stories and tell those stories. To me, that's something that I enjoy much more than being an employee, and mm-hmm. I'm really grateful to have been able to have those opportunities. And there's a lot of great publications that I work with, and if these publications didn't exist, no one would be reading my words. <laughs> so they, they are important. There's something very important to, to write about, to say about what happened in what happens to, to good writers and good freelancers. I think writing like uh, like comedy, um, it's a bit democratic. If you're good, you'll be voted in. You'll, you people will get in touch with you uh, and people want to talk to you. It's just like, you know, viral content or social media. People, if you're engaging, if you're interesting, people want to talk to you. If you write good stories, people want you to write more. And, uh, you know, that's the goal. For, that's the goal for, for anybody who's starting off in this gig. Um, write, write as much as you can and write about things that interest you and, uh, we'll take it. You'll, you'll, you'll get notice from there. I completely agree. Write as much as you can is excellent advice because writing is one of those things that you get better. The more you do it, you need an initial glide path of, I don't know, a hundred thousand, 50,000, 500,000, whatever words to get all of the bad habits out of your system. Uh, just like things that there's, there's we all have crutches when we write we all have points of view that we need to expand when we're first starting out and it's hard to get that out of your system unless you actually get it out of your system and then at the same time as you're doing all of this writing you need to be reading too because you want to find out what the mm-hmm. conversation that you want to join is like and how it's being had and uh the the discourses that are out there that you can either adopt and and uh, adapt to your own voice or if you want to be different and counter the way certain things are being presented it's helpful to know what the com- the current state of the conversation is for your given field whether it's automotive or like sammy whether it's movies or music or 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 smartphones now um i'm i'm still not you know i'm i'm still easing my way into freelance and uh, i'm looking forward to the opportunities that it presents me but it is a very difficult it was a very difficult step to to leave the known world of of auto guide and everything that they have done for me uh and try something new on my own but you know i i'm i'm looking forward to it you know what i mean uh, and I wouldn't do it without uh, people like Ben, who gets to talk to me each week. So that's that's what we've led to right now. Now, if you, dear listener, want to get in touch with us next week or any week prior, uh, after. With a deeply that, personal question of some kind. <laughs> you can do that very easily by coming to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And when, we're, when you're there, there's a contact form there. You can just click on that. Write, uh, write your message out very easily. And we'll, re- we'll receive it almost immediately, um, which is pretty impressive nowadays. While you're at the website, you can also subscribe to the podcast through your favorite um, podcast client. And you can also see our previous episodes, as well as some photos and links to the stories that we've written about the cars um, that we're talking about in in these episodes. 
And if you wanted to get in touch with us in another way, like let's say on social media, Sammy, did you cover the social media basis? Nope, I didn't. I was leaving that for you because you love social media. You can get a hold of Sammy on Twitter because he has very thick skin and his handle there is at Sammy underscore hot like you're laughing. If you want to have a better time, come to Instagram, which is where I am. And it's just fun pictures and people being nice to each other and rainbows and unicorns. It's at Hunting Benjamin. Um, you can also, as Sammy pointed out, email us. But that website that that you mentioned, Sammy, can they subscribe to the podcast there? Yep, they definitely can. Their favorite podcatcher. There's a bunch of buttons at the top there. Uh, I try to. Buttons, I try to again. Well, I mean, I think they're hyperlinks. Okay, and a hyperlink is a contextual link to additional information on the World Wide Web. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and with that in mind, what will we be talking about next week? Uh, next week, I've got a new BRZ, and I also – that's a Subaru BRZ, in case you were wondering. Um, and I also did a quick trip to Honda R&D to talk about uh, – to see some new developments in safety technology that I'm going to be discussing. It's uh, kind of uh, serious stuff, and I'm trying to figure out how we're going to make good jokes about it while, <laughs> while we're doing that. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be talking about the <laughs> – the 2019 Volkswagen Golf R, which I uh, had the chance to drive this past week. And you recall we had the GTI on the program, I think, back in June. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to compare and contrast those two cars. Absolutely. Okay, cool. I can't wait to talk to you about that. So, dear listener, hold on tight for one more week and you get to talk or you get to listen to us talk about some cool cars again. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Bye.